Hello, and welcome to Stride and Saunter, episode 259. I'm Kip Clark, and joining me in the studio today, we have another guest, Jason Cerf. Hey, Kip. Thanks for having me on. Well, it's my pleasure. And Jason, as has become a trope on this podcast, I'm sitting down with you today to discuss two similar, but I would argue distinct ideas. And of course, for this episode, we're going to be talking about the differences, and I hope overlaps, between bosses and leaders. And for my approach, I'm not looking at particular individuals, but more so qualities that I associate with bosses and leaders. Now, as is true of any Stride and Saunter episode, these are the thoughts of myself and a guest, so I hope listeners will chime in where they disagree or if anything particularly resonates. And I wanted to discuss this because as I gain more experience in the working world, and indeed as at times I've been seen as a leader in ways I'm still grappling with, where I don't necessarily agree, I have a lot of opinions about how being a boss, at least in my reductive definition, doesn't require good leading skills in my observation. I know plenty of people at the quote-unquote top of the ladder or in a position of authority who I personally don't feel exhibit great qualities of leadership. But that said, I am only one person, and I'm viewing it through a lens of dissatisfaction. I also admit that there are some bosses who do what I could not do, their relationship to pragmatism, or putting in the blood, sweat, and tears necessary to get things done, elude me at times. There are ways in which I wish I was a harder worker and suspect that some bosses got to where they are because of sheer determination and excessive hard work. So I want to be careful not to paint a very reductive good-bad dichotomy between leaders and bosses. Just earlier today, I was walking with two friends of mine back from the basketball court. I'm in Boston and I actually live in Brooklyn. So I don't know where I'm going. I didn't know the way back to our apartment. But I just guessed and walked first. And one friend of mine in this group said, wow, you're a natural leader. You're just leading. You don't even know where you're going. I won't dissect that too much, but I thought it was a nice intro. I thought it was a nice way of pointing out that leadership is not just to be interpreted in the work setting. It is in our everyday actions, motions, body language, and our everyday relationships. It is in our social dynamic with our friends and our families. Leadership can be temporal, meaning at one point in the conversation, one person is leading, and at the other, another is leading. Perhaps there are two who want to lead the conversation, and one inevitably becomes the de facto leader in that case. Leadership denotes power. It denotes control. But the word leadership gives me more positive connotations than bosses, because leadership also implies often that it is a natural occurrence, that in whatever context, that leader should be and deserves to be making the group decisions. Leaders are known to lead by example, or good leaders are known to lead by example rather than words. And leaders often have to make tough decisions. They have to sacrifice their own reputation or put it on the line. Leaders may have to fall on the sword, as some people say. They accept ultimate responsibility. Now let's relate a few of those aspects to bosses. When you say someone is a boss, and I'm not talking about the colloquial saying, but they are a boss of someone, it means to me that they have been anointed. They have been chosen because there wasn't a natural selection. There was a placement of someone because that person needed to fill that role. 
perhaps some leader put that boss in that position. And the word boss to me brings up positive and negative connotations. So I would call upon the positive traits of a leader to describe when someone is a good boss. A good boss often has a calm ego, has good judgment. A good boss makes good group decisions. But the danger here is in the structure of a boss. A boss is by definition the leader because of some system that was set up. And when that boss is no longer the natural leader and is no longer fulfilling the role of a leader, that's when issues arise in group dynamic. Personally, my ideal boss is someone who cares about me, cares about my growth, listens to me, gives me their time and attention, who understands me and my priorities and goals. But that's not really what a boss often is. They're fulfilling a purpose which may be to support me as an employee in this case, but also to support others and to support the company and the things I just listed. I must be a really needy employee, and I think I was when I worked for people. I now no longer have a boss, technically, because I work for myself. So that, by definition, makes me my own boss. And I'd say that I'm a good boss and a bad boss of myself at times. So we might be nitpicking words here and meanings, but I'd really like to hear from you, Kip, about what you think they mean, how you think they're different, and perhaps some of those experiences in those roles. Well, first, I really appreciate the example you shared of being the first to walk towards a destination you don't necessarily know, because I think that is a microcosm, if you will, of a lot of our experiences in life. And I also think, even if your friend was being facetious, that many of us do have an instinctive and maybe even primordial definition of a leader as one who goes first, especially into the unknown. And there's something relatively brave about that, even though in your example, perhaps there wasn't any present danger. And to your point, I do think natural is a common connotation with leadership. We think about those who are born into it. In one of my favorite shows, ABC's Lost, in the very first episode, spoiling what I believe is a pretty well-watched show, a plane crashes on a mysterious island, and one of the protagonists, Jack Shepard, a doctor, immediately starts directing people, telling them to get away from the fuselage, to begin CPR and other maneuvers to try and preserve life and keep people safe. And that character, or at least the meaning I associate with him, is one of my icons. There's a certain urgency to him, and yet a tone of capability and safety that I so strongly associate with leadership, maybe to the point that I've never met a leader in real life who embodies all of those characteristics at once. Now, I'll stop referencing the show, but viewers go on to learn that this character is very human and has flaws. But I so appreciated, and still do, his leadership-like ability to assess a situation and, frankly, to put himself in harm's way for others. I think that's a very leader-like quality and one I associate with great compassion that I don't anticipate in bosses. To your point, a boss is really there to fill a quota, to get something done. In the world of video games, bosses are there as an obstacle to the player. They are the strongest enemy in an area and may have some narrative significance for the plot that the player must defeat them. But I think there's a reason that the word we use for those characters in this media of games is boss. And to me, it feels like there's an analog to the real world where we don't expect much from our bosses. At least I don't think in popular cultural vernacular, there are cliches about not loving one's boss 
or viewing one's boss as a metaphorical boot which we are all beneath and burdened by. I'm also really intrigued by your idea of leaders in conversation. And I agree with you that leadership can be handed off. I think in great conversations, leadership changes hands or owners multiple times. And individuals impart their own personality on the conversation and say, well, Jason, I'd like to talk about this now. After which you say, right, but Kip, what about this? And I think where some conversations really fail, and I think as a society, we could do better, is where both people want to lead all of the time. Or transposing that example onto a group larger than two. We're not looking to listen. And I think great leaders are willing to give up leadership at certain key moments to admit that they're not an omnipotent being, that they don't need authoritarian rule to be effective as a leader. And to me, what makes a really compelling and trustworthy leader is that they acknowledge their humanity. Like you said, sometimes they have to take risks and make great sacrifices, perhaps shattering their reputation for the safety or well-being of others. But to me, a boss is much less pro-social, again, in the archetypal definition in my mind, and it often feels to me like they are out for themselves or a desire to be on top, to be a leader more in title than in action or behavior. Now, in my life and relatively short professional career, I've had a few bosses, and I would say less than half of them have demonstrated leader-like qualities. That's not to say that those who didn't and were purely bosses were mean or antagonistic. In fact, I appreciate the reality that I've had to come to terms with, that I may not be met with leaders in my places of work. And if I really seek guidance, perhaps I should look elsewhere, or maybe even within myself, in imitation of you, Jason, being your own boss, and I suspect your own leader at times. But those who have been leaders appreciated, as you put into words, my desires and priorities. And in fact, I've gone back to and thanked them for their role in my career because they looked beyond themselves and the immediate constraints of my role. I think there's a lot of beauty in how long-term an impact a leader can have. While I know that there are various political figures across history that may be controversial, many of them are beloved by people long after the year or decade of their death because they were leaders, because they represented an idea that is, if not everlasting, certainly resistant to the sands of time. However, there are bosses, and I think they are a dime a dozen, whose greatest impact is the salary they ultimately attained before retirement. Now, I admit that that's a bit reductive, but I would say, as I don't have much else to add here, Jason, that I don't think our world needs more bosses. I don't think that's a commodity which we will ever run out of. And frankly, I think you can teach that skill pretty quickly. I do think our world has been and may forever remain in constant need of leadership. And I use that noun rather than leaders because it's a quality that I do think should be strengthened or perhaps more to the point, preserved when we find it in people. Because I do think you can lose your passion for leadership if someone convinces you it's not effective or that you're not good at it, but circling back to your friend's words, however unintentionally profound, I do think there's a natural quality to leadership that is innate in some people, potentially all people. By definition, a boss is a type of leader, and I think we're being a bit harsh on bosses. 
I think that what I described earlier about a boss caring about me and my needs is not what a good leader would do. A good leader would identify whether caring about my needs is important for the business because that is his job as a boss. So it's interesting. These bosses are put into positions of leadership in a limited sense and must make hard decisions as leaders do. They must upset some to please many. They must make compromises and sacrifices. And I don't think it's possible for someone in a position of leadership to make everybody happy. I think it's a really difficult position to be in. And there are many different approaches to management and to being a boss. And everybody has different styles and approaches and techniques. And some people think really deeply about the best way to manage people, the best way to be a leader. They read all the books. They focus on it. They think it's very important. So while we've just pointed out that we really like the word leader better, we like the idea of leadership, I want to give credit to people who professionally act as the boss, act as the leader, and step into a position that is very difficult. It's brave. It's courageous. Yes, it may be opportunistic. That boss's priorities may be personal, may be selfish. They may not align perfectly with that company's goals or with the boss's employees' goals. And I imagine a good leader would be aware of those things, be conscious and moral about those things, and attempt to accommodate all of those factors. The beautiful thing about group dynamics and business and teamwork is that there is a large amount of symbiosis, mutual necessity. So the ideal boss keeps the employees happy and the company or the executives happy. Almost always impossible to keep everybody happy. So I just wanted to give more credit to bosses out there and managers and people who have to think about taking care of people and their salaries and their growth and put themselves in positions where they feel a large amount of pressure. We idolize leaders. We put them on pedestals so that they can do their job effectively. In fact, there's an amount of fandom and mystique and intrigue that are put into our history's leaders. And if you dig down into someone's life as a historic leader, you are bound to find flaws, mistakes, imperfections. I hate to break it to myself and to you, Kip, and to the listeners, but it's likely that our favorite idols and influential people that we praise and admire are not who you think they are. So it seems that there is a necessary function of putting a leader into a position of mystique or fame or whatever it is, putting them on that pedestal so that they can carry out their job. It's a natural position in a team, group, or cultural dynamic. And bosses are just a more specific case of an appointed leader that seems a bit less natural which is probably why it gives us a sense of injustice. Oh, this person just was given this job for this reason, and now they're my boss. Why do they deserve to be my boss? When I first got a job, I told my uncle Larry, who's not actually my uncle, I told him, hey, I just got hired, and oh, I like, yeah, I like my boss. And he said, hey, stop right there. You just called someone else your boss. You should think about that. He's a man who's raised his own farm and made his own business from farming. He's been his own boss for a long time. And that did make me stop and think about whether I wanted to be in a position where I was the leader or the boss, or whether I wanted to be in a position where someone else was my boss and they told me what to do. I think I gained a lot of value from having bosses. I learned a lot. For all I know, I may have to have another boss in the future, but I hope not because becoming a leader and a boss myself, a founder of a company, has been incredibly fulfilling 
and it has been a coming into myself where I realize that I do have leadership tendencies and I feel most comfortable in that position, especially in the field that I'm working in. I enjoy the freedom, the creativity of it, the empowerment, the control. I like being my own boss and leading myself. Not to say that anybody with a boss is not their own leader and can't be their own boss as well. Those two are not mutually exclusive and these roles are very fluid. But I think it is important to know where you lie, where others lie, how they may or may not be helping you, how you may or may not be helping yourself. And I'll just add that I respect when people know about themselves that they want to have a leader. They want to be in a role where they're not the boss. I respect that because they know that about themselves. There's absolutely nothing wrong with it. That role in a group dynamic or a company or a team is essential. If everybody was the boss or the leader, nothing would get done. In fact, being that person is a quality of leadership because you have contributed to a system in order to make it work, just like leaders and bosses do. I really, really love your phrasing that idolization to an extent allows for leadership. And it's part of what makes a person a leader, this building them up, this putting them on a pedestal and overlooking, ignoring, or never learning about some of their natural flaws or mistakes they've made. It then leads me to ask, with a degree of conviction, if perhaps resentment allows for bosses, if that is our emotional exchange with them. You can sign my paycheck, but I don't have to like you. I can feel a certain degree of emotional autonomy and authority towards you, and that's my psychological way of feeling even with you. At the end of the day, we're all people, and some people won't agree that they are equals with one another, but I think we seek that as creatures. We don't want to believe that we are completely powerless, or in certain cases at least that's true. And that's where I find these two personas particularly captivating, as you bring up, that we as those who are led play an interesting role in allowing for it or in creating it. At this point, I would reference personal experiences in my life related to my parents, one of whom I wouldn't describe as bossy, but took on a role closer in my mind to a boss than a leader, at least in their style of parenting. The other had a more hands-off approach and didn't necessarily lead as much by example as they did give me space. I don't think either is right or wrong, and in fact, where there were times that I held resentment for the more bossy individual in my perception of their behavior, I also recognize how much they did to keep structure in my life that may not have existed if I had complete autonomy. And so that's where, to your very wise pushing back on what I recognized as a reductive phrasing, I see great value. And in fact, I would retract my earlier statement that the world doesn't need more bosses but does need more leaders. I think a balance is necessary to be struck. And at the very least, individuals should be assessed in circumstances where some sort of guidance is necessary. I think some people really struggle with bosses. Others absolutely need that level of structure and authority over them. In my mind, the key is are there rights and privileges as a human being? being considered. But of course, Jason, as we wrap up this conversation, I'd love to hear any of your final thoughts. I'd like to tell a story about a time that I was a bad leader. The reason I was a bad leader in this case is because I tried to be a leader. I was in a role as music director of a singing group, and I thought to myself, oh, I'm in this position of leadership. 
So I have to come into this next rehearsal and make strong decisions. And I have to go by my schedule because I have been chosen. That was my mindset. I had been chosen, so I know what's best. I will decide when we do this and when we do that. And so this whole rehearsal, I controlled the room. Meanwhile, I was completely unaware that people had other feelings and thoughts and priorities and weren't having fun during that rehearsal. And I don't remember exactly how it happened, but everything kind of fell apart. People got frustrated, and I didn't know how to contain it. There were deeper issues happening with everybody, and we needed something other than that which I was giving. So a few takeaways from that are to consider and be aware of everybody on your team, to think a bit longer before you speak, to try to accommodate more to the group rather than impose a structure or a shape or a process of your own that you think is the best. Because in that case, it was like trying to fit a square peg in a round hole. So as we go forward, if we find ourselves in positions of leadership, consider yourself more the servant or the giver. You are the person that has been chosen, yes, but you have been chosen to serve a group of people, not to impose on them. And the same if you're a boss. It is your job to help everybody. And sometimes helping everybody means doing things you don't want to do. That might conflict with your opinion or your impression about bosses. Oh, bosses get to do whatever they do, and they get paid more and whatnot. But that's simply not it. They should be paid what they're worth, which is a very great value if they're doing their job, which is leading. I really appreciate that framing. I think I've said most of what I would want the audience to think about or consider. And I would encourage, in addition to what you said, Jason, further pushback on what I think is a pretty basic schema, in my mind, of bosses and leaders. The only thing I would add for further audience consideration is that I would introduce nouns like coach and guide here. Perhaps there are others I'm not thinking of, but what I'm curious about is how you, the listener, define these terms. Are there overlaps? Is it a Venn diagram? Or are these bubbles, these definitions, perhaps very distinct in your mind? Either way, I'd really love to know. And Jason, not only for your time and thoughts today, But for adding texture and kind disagreement to this conversation, I really appreciate it. And you. Thank you, Kip. That was fun. Well, I'm happy to hear it. But of course, as always, we want this to be a conversation among, not simply a conversation between. Ours are only two voices, and we'd love to hear from you. So if you have any opinions, comments, or thoughts of any kind, please reach out to us. You can find us on Twitter or on Facebook. You can also email us via strideandsaunter at gmail.com. And if you enjoyed this episode, consider subscribing to the show as well as supporting us on Patreon, where in exchange for your support, you'll receive exclusive perks like bonus episodes and pre-show recordings. And as always, we thank you very much for listening and from thought to word and voice to ear, this is Kip Clark signing off.